Okay, if you would uh, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading from verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which he had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so Jesus rose from the dead, as we talked about for the last couple of weeks. And then the question becomes, now what? So what? What does this mean for us? Jesus rose from the dead. What does this now mean for us? Turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Let's start reading from verse 19. Verse 19. So when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut and the disciples... The doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, they came and stood... uh, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus comes and he appears to them, It says that they were fearful, they had the doors closed, and then he comes to them, he says, peace be to you, twice, and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. He beckons them to receive the Holy Spirit that is about to to come forth. In that act, you know, I don't know if, if... Upon his saying this, the Holy Spirit came in some measure upon them. But he told them to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a, there, there's a real duality in people's beliefs regarding the Holy Spirit. Some, some people think that the day that a person is saved, they receive the Holy Spirit. At that very instant, they receive the Holy Spirit. Some feel that the act of salvation... And the receipt of the Holy Spirit is two different events. You get saved, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. They may occur very quickly together, but they don't occur simultaneously, some think. Some think that it could be years before the Holy Spirit follows the act of salvation. And I'll tell you, based on what I read in the Scriptures, I don't make a very big deal out of it. Let me, let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. 
Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And I'm okay with believing, letting people believe whatever they want to believe about this. But Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the Holy Spirit is apparently given to those who ask Him. We ask of God, and He will grant the Holy Spirit. So if, if anyone says to you, hey, you, you know, have you ever received the Holy Spirit? If there's a problem and you're wondering about it, ask God. Ask God to give them to you. And the Bible says, if, if fathers, if us being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does... Fa- does God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So if there's ever a problem or ever a question, ask Him, and He'll grant the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 20, He had breathed on them and He said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came upon them in some way in a full measure. So if they had received it back in John chapter 20, something else happened in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse, we'll pick it up in verse 1. And on the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. It says on that day, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Back in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them and He said, Receive the Holy Spirit. On this occasion, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the difference is. You know, is, is receipt of the Holy Spirit digital or analog? Do you receive the whole Spirit at once? Or can you receive the Holy Spirit and then you receive more and you receive more until you are filled to the, with the Holy Spirit? I don't know. And I don't have an answer for you and everybody has an answer except me. You know, no matter who I talk to, people have very firm views on this and they're ready to dig in their heels and fight about this. And with me, there's no fight. I can go either way. All I know is, if there's ever a question, you ask God and He will give the Holy Spirit to you. And so some people wonder, do I have the Holy Spirit? And they get all stressed out about it. I say, why stress? Just ask God. And then people get upset with me. Why did you say that to that person? If they're saved, they already have the Spirit. Well, I, I said it because that's what it said in Luke. That if you want the Holy Spirit, ask Him. And I'm not sure that God in heaven is too upset about that. Do you think that somebody's asking for the Holy Spirit and God is up there in heaven fretting, fretting about this, saying, Oh, that is just so bad. So bad. Don't they know they already have the Holy Spirit? Why are they asking for the Holy Spirit? But here, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't just say that they received the Holy Spirit. Jesus had already said in John chapter 20, maybe He had given them a portion of the Spirit, or maybe He was just telling them, 
when the Holy Spirit comes, be sure to receive it. Because remember, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. But I'm not giving it to you now. But when it comes, receive it. Maybe he was doing that. I don't know. But here it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So you would think that when they're filled, they're filled, right? They ought to be filled. That's it. They've got the fullness of the Spirit. So this is, this is uh, on the day of Pentecost. So was this, was this the first Pentecost? No. The answer is no. Pentecost means 50 days after the Passover. So it actually happened way back in the wilderness with Moses. This is, this is all it means. So 50 days after the Passover. So remember, Jesus died, Jesus died on, uh, during the Passover feast. So he walked on earth for about 40 days. And so, the, so Jesus has been gone now about 10 days from earth because he was taken, taken them from the earth. And here they were in this upper room and all of a sudden they're filled. And this is the day that, that Peter starts preaching. This is the day that he, he goes out and, and, and he starts preaching. But then now turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse... Um, we'll start reading verse 5. Acts chapter 4, verse 5. And on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there. And Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly descent... And they were, and uh, when they placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are in trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, but that, that by the name of Jesus the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. So look what it says in verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was now filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I thought he was filled back in Acts chapter 2. Why does it have to tell us again he was filled with the Holy Spirit? In other words, can someone be filled with the Holy Spirit and then kind of have it dissipate? And so it had to remind us that Peter was still filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why this kind of is unclear to me? Because I would really love to believe that on the moment of salvation... People are filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, absolutely filled. I would really love to believe that. But what I see is something very different in my experience, that sometimes I'm amazed when people tell me that they believe Jesus Christ is Lord and He's risen from the dead. Because I see nothing in their lives that makes me think that there's any Holy Spirit in there. So, so you're not. Any, anybody in there? Is there any Holy Spirit in there? And you wonder about it. And then I look at my own life. I know from my own life that some days I, I, just, I just feel like there's no power. I'm scared. I'm, I'm worried about all the things that are happening. And then at other moments, I'm just, you know, I, I take on a lion. Just go ahead. Send a couple lions in the room. I'll take them on and do it. You know, and I, and I feel ready to go. And, Maybe on those days I'm just filled 
The other days I have the Holy Spirit, but this day I'm filled. I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe you've got it figured out. I don't have it figured out. But it does say that they were filled on that day of Pentecost. Peter was filled, it points out, on this day in Acts 4, 4, 8. Now look in Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So somehow there's this equating of filling with bold proclamation. Right? So there's a bold proclamation going on in Acts chapter 2. And, and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and all the disciples are and they're boldly proclaiming Christ. In Acts chapter 4, Peter is put before the high priest. I mean, this is a big deal. You know, the, the, the common guy doesn't just get to go right next to the high priest and talk. And now they're, they're thrown before the high priest. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, makes bold proclamation. He says, you're wondering how this guy was healed? You want to know? In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, who, by the way, you crucified, and who's now risen from the dead? He's, you know, this is a bold proclamation. And now it says that they had just actually undergone this flogging and this persecution for testifying of Jesus, and they prayed, and the Scripture comes back and says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, duh, we already know that. It's already told us that. If they're filled and filled for good, why do you keep telling us that? Maybe it kind of can dissipate. I don't know, but I know that what I'm saying is probably upsetting somebody's theology. And it's just because I'm not sure. If you're sure, then help me. But it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God points that out, and it relates that in some way to boldness. Now look in in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, they need to choose some some men in the church who, this is analogous to our deacons, men who are going to wait on tables and make sure that the waiting on tables that, that, that uh, the widows are taken care of. Acts chapter 6, let's start reading from verse 1. Now at the same time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews because the native Hebrew, uh, against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Okay, you think you've got problems in the church you're in? Look at this church. So the... the the Jews that were believers, that became believers, their widows were getting served at the church meal. But the widows who were, were, were of Greek origin, so, and they had become Jews and now had come to know the Lord, then their widows weren't getting served. I mean, that's pretty bad. That's kind of like, let, 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 let me make the analogy. That's like um, uh, any, any blacks in the church, their widows are not getting served the meal. I mean, people would look at that as a pretty bad church, wouldn't they? Or any Asians, you know, or any Jews, any, any group, whatever. Their widows are not getting served. This is the problem in the early church. So when people tell me, oh, the church I go to, it is a New Testament church. It is like the book of Acts. I think, boy, you had some real problems in your church. This is what was going on in that church. Their widows weren't getting served. 
So problems that happen in churches is actually quite scriptural. If your church has no problems, it's not scriptural. Scriptural churches have problems. If you're going to have people and, and things are going to go on, and it's the same in families. Families have problems and people get upset. And, and, and God understands that. All right, verse 2. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of the task. So look what the twelve say. So you got the twelve disciples because they, they took Matthias as the twelfth now because Judas, Judas had, had hung himself. And so they, they tell him this problem and they say, look, we're so busy ministering the word of God, we can't, we can't be uh, serving these tables. We're kind of busy ministering. So we've got to put some people in charge of this. So they choose men to be in charge of this. Remember, there was no church before this. So they're just figuring out how to have deacons to watch over things so the pastor doesn't have to you know, bring in the sound equipment. There's other people that can take care of that. It says, choose men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Spirit. And then in verse 4, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Why did they have to say he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit? Can't we just assume that he was saved and he had the Spirit? I mean, the Scripture is pointing out, Stephen, specifically, that this guy just overflowed. This is apparently what the Scriptures want for us. The Holy Spirit resident inside isn't enough. The Holy Spirit has got to be in us so much that He comes out. That the Holy Spirit is flowing out of us. And that's what Stephen was. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. And now look in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, when Stephen, this very same Stephen, was being stoned to death, because of his testimony of Jesus Christ in Acts 7, verse 55. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord, receive my spirit. And then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. So it says in particular that he was full of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, it is, was his intent that he open the door for the Spirit and that we be full of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you from my own life that there are times when I am full of the Holy Spirit and there are other times when the Spirit is there, but He's not coming out. There's a lot of other stuff coming out besides the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you. If it hasn't, you're a liar. <laughs> if it hasn't, just wait. It will. It will. Jesus opens up the door for the Holy Spirit. He wants us to receive the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to be so full in there. And the Bible says, if there's ever a problem, 
Ask of Him and He'll give it to you. You know, one day, and I'll be real honest with you, I I was in a church where I I was uh, discipled early on. And and very often the church where we're discipled early on in, in the time of our Christian walk where we're deciding to really walk with Christ, is the one that really is formative in, in, in our theology and things. And then when I went off to, to college, it was to graduate school, it was very clear that God wanted me to be a member of a particular local church. And, and the reason I know that is because I had prayed all summer before I went to graduate school that, Lord, when I get to that city, please lead me to the right church. And I prayed all summer because I knew how, much, how important the church was in my life for the last four years as an undergraduate and how important it was going to be in my life as a graduate student and I was moving to another city and I prayed all summer. And I remember getting a copy of the newspaper from the graduate school and in the newspaper there was an ad from a particular church and it said, Upper Room Christian Fellowship, come worship with us. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And and uh, uh, when I went to graduate school, I had rented a car, I got there, and then I returned the car to the, the campus, had an airport. And I was walking back from the airport to my, my dorm, I was living in the graduate dorm, and it was a Sunday morning, and I saw this sign. And I had my Bible with me because I was going to stop in at a church on a Sunday morning, even though it was the first day I was in town, I was going to go to a church. And there was this sign that said, Upper Room Christian Fellowship, come worship with us. So it was the very sign of the church that I had seen this thing in the paper. I thought, that's interesting. And I went up, and I went into the church, and they had this beautiful singing. And it was obviously a charismatic church, and that wasn't the background that I had come from. But I didn't know that charismatics were bad. Didn't know that they were good. I didn't know anything about that. All I knew is that their music was a whole lot better than it was in the church that I came from. <laughs> and, uh, and so the people were really nice. And all week that week I prayed, Lord, is that the church that you want me in? And then comes around to the next Sunday. And that morning I'm in my room alone. And I had, had no firm word on this. And I just started picking up and reading in the scriptures where I'd left off the night before because I read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. When I'm done, I start again, and I've been doing this for 30 years. And so I, I, um, uh, I was just reading where I'd left off, and the first thing I read in the first chapter that I read, and it says, Go. And, I, and, and by the way, I prayed, Lord, if you don't show me today that I'm to return to that church, after this I won't go anymore. And as I was reading, and it says, go, and a man will show you an upper room. There, you are to go and have the Passover feast. And this peace of God just filled the room. And this is how the Lord speaks to me. He takes the scriptures, and he brings out a word. I mean, it happened to me just this morning concerning a particular person. I mean, it's really quite amazing. And I, and I showed it to Shireen. I had just been praying for this particular person. And... and uh, um, the Lord showed me a verse that is perfect for that person. And, you know, it, it took me by surprise this morning because the person's name is Christy. But the verse says Christ. And for a moment, it was as if it said Christy. I mean, the word just jumped out and it was perfect for the situation. But this is the way God speaks to me from the scriptures. And then the peace of God filled the room and his peace confirms it. And I knew I was to attend that church. And so I went back to that church for a few weeks 
And they being charismatics were very concerned about me. And, and the pastor became a good friend of mine. But he was concerned that I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now, I had been witnessing on campus as an undergrad. Everybody knew me as a Christian. I had stood up on campus and shared. But he was concerned. And I said, okay, pray for me. And so they prayed for me that I would receive the Holy Spirit. And guess what? After they were done praying, they were happy. I had the Holy Spirit in their mind. That's fine. And I had the Holy Spirit. And everybody was now okay. You see what I mean? That now they were okay, I was okay, and it wasn't a big deal for me. It wasn't like, oh, how could you pray for something you already have? Well, they've been praying for more. More. You know? And... And everything was okay. And to this day, I'm able to fellowship in, in you know, the staunchest of Baptist churches, in charismatic churches, in Pentecostal churches, and I get something out of the worship and I fellowship with them. And my wife is, is even more able than I am to fellowship and to have friends and to worship in all of these different settings. I mean, Shireen can watch TBN Every different preacher that's on there, and she's like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. And, you know, to me, it sounded like, okay, you know, but to her, she just gets filled from all of these things. And then she can go, she can go, you know, watch just some real hardcore Bible teacher from Dallas Theological Seminary and love that just as much. I mean, because she's got so much of the Spirit, none of this inhibits her. So, things had come up in that church, but I knew that that's where God wanted me. And in fact, it had happened so strongly that when I went back to New York to, to visit, and I talked to the pastor in the former church I had been in, I told him about the church I was in, he was very concerned. And he even said to me, Jim, I'm not sure you should be in that kind of church. And then I told him what happened to me that morning, how I prayed all summer, how I prayed all week, and the scripture that I read. And you know what he told me? He says, then you better keep going to that church. Because he's the one who taught me how God speaks from the Scriptures. And when I had heard it that clearly, he was convinced that that was the right place that I ought to be going to. God speaks from the Scriptures. He fills with the Holy Spirit, and he speaks from the Scriptures. That's the other thing, actually, that he opens up. Look in, in, uh, in Luke uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Let's start reading from verse 44. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Now when he said this, he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So look what he says. He says, it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And if you look in that same chapter, Luke chapter 24, verse 25, 
It says, and he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then to enter his glory? And then in verse 45, it says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it was written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. Now they could understand it. Jesus opens our minds to understand the scriptures. When I was in high school, before I ever went to college, I got saved in my freshman year of college, early on in my freshman year, November 7th of my freshman year of college. But when I was in high school, I remember picking up the Bible and trying to read it. And I tried and I tried and I thought, this is nonsense. I can't get anything out of this. I don't know how people talk about this book. There's nothing here. And I closed it and I went away. And I tried again. There was nothing there. When he came into my life, the day he came into my life, I began to read the scriptures and something was different. Jesus opens our minds to understand the scriptures. And many times as I'm reading, if I feel I'm not getting anything, I say, Lord, open my mind and teach me. Teach me from your word. He opens our minds to understand the scriptures. Look in in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And you see this coupling of the Holy Spirit and understanding of the Scriptures. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So look, it says the Helper, the Holy Spirit comes and He is the one who teaches us. And He brings to our remembrance all that I said to you. You know, sometimes, do you ever wonder, how did the disciples, how did the disciples record all the things that Jesus said after He had risen from the dead? Now they're they're writing these gospel accounts and they're reporting to Luke the things that Jesus said. How did they remember? It says, Jesus said, I will bring back to your remembrance all that I taught you. Jesus actually brought back to the remembrance the things that he had taught them. It is Jesus who opens our mind to understand the scriptures. And I'll tell you, if there's one thing that I see that believers lack, in great amount they lack, is the understanding of the scriptures and allowing God to open their mind to understand the scriptures. Turn to to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This whole psalm is on the beauties of God's Word. And let me read you my favorite portion. You know, you say, what's your favorite portion in all the Bible? Well, I have a lot of favorite portions, but I've probably meditated on this portion more than any other portion in the Scriptures. I just love it. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. So look what he says. He says, oh, how I love thy law, in verse 97. It is my meditation all the day. So if we love God's word and make it our meditation, look what happens. In verse 98, we are wiser than our enemies. In verse 99, we end up having more insight than all our teachers. 
And he doesn't say you'll have more insight than all your Bible teachers if you make the Word of God your, your, your meditation. It says you will have more insight than all your teachers if you make the Word of God your meditation. And I have had the great opportunity to study under some very good people in chemistry, very good chemists. And uh, um, I continue to believe this verse for my career, that God will give me more insight than all the people that I studied under. You say, oh, you can't do that. Well, fine. You know what I say to that? I say, Lord, whatever they could have had, had they believed, I receive it. They're not going to get it because they don't believe it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I will. Lord, don't waste it. You know, if they don't believe, don't waste it on them. I will take it. I want it all. He will give us more insight than all our teachers if we love His Word. In verse 100, I understand more than the age because I have observed thy precepts. That wherever you go, even as a young person, even as a young person, God can take and fill you. And, and from the time that I was very young in the Lord, I started taking this book and would every morning wake up in the morning and read it from beginning to end. I'd get done and I'd start over again. And I'd get done and I'd start over again. And I still read it like this. And I read this Word of God from beginning to end. And I was in my early 20s and I was being dropped in front of groups of people, many of them, two, three times my age, in speaking the Word of God to them. There was nothing in my life other than what God taught me from the Scriptures. And wherever I go, you know, people say, you know, what Bible college have you gone to? I haven't gone to any Bible college. No Bible college, no seminary. I taught once in a Bible college. I taught one course in a Bible college. And I got in a little trouble because I didn't know that when you teach a book of the Bible, you have to start with who is the author, what is the date of it, you know, and, and, and uh, um, you know, give this outline. I didn't know. I just, just jumped right into it. Started teaching. And, and I got this note, this email from the president of the Bible college that week saying, you haven't followed the normal protocol. He says, it's okay. I understand. You don't have any training in this. But, you know, I was the guy he asked to come and teach this course. God opens it up. There's nothing magic here. There's nothing special about my life. He will do the same for you. If you take this word and make it your meditation, He will have you to be an instructor of people much older than you. Verse 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your, thy word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yet sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The Word of God will keep you from walking in the improper way. The Word of God will keep you from marrying the wrong person. The Word of God will keep you from doing the thing that is wrong. If you get this scripture and make it a part of your life, you will be greatly blessed. Turn back over to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Same sort of thing you see here. And this is the promise I have just grabbed hold of from the Lord. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. Look what it says. If we fear God and greatly delight in His commandments. How can I delight in Your commandments, O God, if I will not read them? How can I delight in Your commandments if I will not meditate on them? 
And so now look at what happens to the man who greatly delights in the commandments of the Lord. Verse 2. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And in the mornings when I rise up and I pray for my family, I say, Lord, I am reminding you that I remember your promise. That as I have spent this morning meditating on your word, that you will make my children mighty on this earth and that you will bless them in this life. Your descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And so that no matter what my kids go through, I hold on to this. Lord, remember, you said you'd make them mighty on this earth and that you would greatly bless them. There's going to come a day when you will have children and they will mean more to you than your very own life. Many, many times over, you would die a thousand times for your child. And this is a verse that you want to hold on to. This is what happens if you will meditate on the Word of God. It says in verse 3, Wealth and riches are in this house and His righteousness endures forever. This wealth is much greater than natural wealth. I know many rich people in this city who would love to have what I have. To have the home, to have the life, to have the relationships. This is the true wealth that the Scriptures speak of. It says in verse 4, Light arises in the darkness for the, uh, for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. If I will meditate on the Word of God, light will arise in the darkness for me. So students sometimes bring me these problems and there's all this data here and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. And I say, Lord, let light arise in the darkness. Let light arise in the darkness. And then the Lord begins to give clarity and He begins to fill. You say, will God work like that for me? If you have faith and you meditate on His Word, if you meditate on the Word of God, He will raise your faith. He will raise your faith right up. Jesus said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to be open to His fullness. And I want you to have your minds open to the Word of God. He will open up our minds to the Scriptures. Then it says, It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. Remember, if you meditate on the Word of God, you will end up being generous. And when you end up being generous, you will maintain your cause in judgment. Because you will be free with what you have, and you will maintain your cause in judgment. So that when judgment day comes, Jesus will look at you and say, This one has given so much. Let me grant you so much. God gives so much to those who are generous. My wife gives so much of herself wherever I go. I was in the hospital visiting some people. And they were like, your wife just came in here. She prays for us. She gives to us. I'm like, you know, everybody tells me this. Students tell me this. People in the hospital tell me this. You go to the the supermarket. I mean, the... You go to the checkout like, oh, that's your wife? I mean, she just, she just comes in here and talks to me all the time. That woman, just her life is giving. And you know what happens is, she receives so much back. Every, everybody who's talking about the Lord, she's able to receive. As we give, we receive. You take the Word of God, you make it your meditation. God begins to open up and expand your life. And Jesus said, 
He opens our minds to understand the Scriptures. Why, of all things, to say, when He's risen from the dead, He says, I want your minds open to understand the Scriptures. Verse 7, He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting on the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until He looks with satisfaction on His adversaries. You know, so many people come, oh, you know, aren't you scared of chemical warfare and this and that and the other thing? And I sit on this defense science board, which means I go to the Washington every month and I hear all the stuff that's coming against our country and all the things and all that. And you, know, you can walk out of there really depressed. I say, Lord, I thank you for your word. Once you know his word, you know the plan of what's going to happen. You know the plan of what's, what's going to be. You know, people say, aren't you scared, you know, your daughter lives in Jerusalem. Huh. I actually think it's kind of safer for her. When she was here, she was always jumping out of airplanes. Over there, she doesn't do skydiving. I mean, it's actually safer over there. Plus, the Word of God says that when the Lord returns, He will reveal Himself to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You know, if a nuclear bomb goes off, the nuclear stuff we've got today, you can't live in, you couldn't live in those cities for a thousand years, you couldn't live in those cities with the nuclear stuff we've got to get today. It's not like what was dropped on, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There may be a nuclear bomb go off in Houston, but not in Jerusalem. Because when the Lord returns, He's going to reveal Himself to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And He's not talking about insects. He's talking about His people. That's probably the safest place from a nuclear standpoint. You see how I put all this together? <laughs> It gives great peace. You know, we know that things are going to come and other things are going to come. I don't know. I don't know. The Lord's in control. I'm not going to sweat it. You know, I remember when this anthrax thing was coming and all this stuff was happening and people were so scared about opening packages. And then you just begin to reflect on the Lord. And it gives you a whole new perspective. You take this word and you make it your meditation. You don't have to... Go pouting around in depression every time there's some, some event in the world, thinking, oh, my career, my life, I'm not going to have any. No. You commit it to God. And you don't have to fear. And the world can be walking in fear, and you just, it's up to you, Lord. Lord, you take control. That's what the Word of God gives you. He has given freely to the poor in verse 9. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Look what it says. God's going to honor you. God will honor you if you make this Word of God your meditation. You're not going to be perfect. You have all sorts of problems. Remember, correction and reproof for the way of life, it says, for the believer. But He'll exalt your horn in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. You know, unbelievers sometimes see what's going on in my life and it's, it's like, it's just not fair. I mean, how can a guy have so much? You got a good wife, you got a good home, you got a good job. It's not. It's not fair. I'll agree with you. It's not fair that I should have so much. But that's the promise of the Word of God. And that, that it's not the money, it's not the it's it's the life that God gives, what He promises. It's the Word of God. And so that when things come at us and the challenges of life hit us like they do everybody else, sickness and pain and death. But it doesn't defeat us because of what we have in Christ. 
because of the Word of God. He comes and He says, let your life be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want it filled. And He says, I want your minds opened to understand the Scriptures. As your mind is opened, and as you allow God to speak to you through the Scriptures, your life will be different. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the message of the cross, of the resurrection, and of what Jesus spoke. And I pray, Lord, for these young people that they would receive the Holy Spirit and be filled, be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit would impact their lives and affect their lives. And Father, I pray that their minds would be opened to understand the Scriptures and that they would so pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill them and that they would so pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to teach them, to bring to the remembrance the things that they've read in the Scriptures, that their minds would be opened because of the power of the Holy Spirit and that that would so affect their lives. Bring them up, O Lord, I pray, in Your way, in the name of Jesus. Amen.